My guest today is one of the founding members of Judas Priest, the legendary KK Downing. I caught up with KK to talk about his new project with Ripper Owens, KK's Priest. We talked at length about their new album Sermons of the Sinner that comes out on August 20th, the new single and video Hellfire Thunderbolt, the metal scene of today and all things Judas Priest. It's a pleasure Vic, nice to meet you. Lovely to meet you, yeah, I've, I've been a big fan for many years and um, you know, I've been listening to the new, uh, the new album. I've been listening to a couple of tracks. Um, absolutely amazing. I love it. It gave me the chills to listen to it. Oh, thank you very much indeed. Yeah, because, you know, there's so much going around on social media and stuff like that, right? And then sometimes you think that the edge has gone away from the music, right? You think that it's all softened down, it's all turned down. But my God, I heard this and I was just blown away. <laughs> Thank you very much. Has the, was this prompted by the pandemic or has this been in the works for a while? No, I think in 2019, Vic, I did a couple of shows late in the year. You know, um, I don't know why. I was very reluctant to do them, really. But people mm -hmm. were just asking me to guest, you know. Like Ross the Boss asked me to guest. And also Dave Allison, he was coming to England, so can we play a couple of, sh couple of songs? And one thing led to another, really. So, and then uh, a month later in December, Christmas, I decided to, I thought, well, if I can write an album, we could put a band together, and that's pretty much what happened. So in a short space of time, I had all the songs, and then I asked the guys if they'd be interested, you know, to push forward with an album, and that's what we did. So yeah. uh, all happened very, very quickly, really. That was before COVID. Mm -hmm. But COVID did have a drastic effect because I sat down writing it at Christmas mm -hmm. and I was hoping to deliver the record by April, which was insane, but I was on course to do that. Mm -hmm. um, but of course, COVID got in the way because what happened was in the same year, we wanted to go and do some shows because we did have some shows booked. Yeah, I can imagine, but, yeah. So... Yeah. You know, you know, the other thing, KK, that I find quite astonishing after I've heard, you know, whatever you put out is that it took you this long to put this out. You know, I, I, I was, you know, I know the other guys, especially when, you know, when you were in Judas Priest, everybody else had solo projects and stuff like that. But when you have all this creative energy within you, when you have these ideas and when you have the sound and the songs, I found it quite amazing that you didn't put it out for so many years. Yeah, well, like I say, when I was in Judas Priest, I was totally loyal, you know, and yeah. I didn't want to play with anyone else. Mm -hmm. I didn't have any desire to, <clears throat> you know, to do that. You know, I just was my main focus. Obviously, I was there at the very beginning in the, in the, in, in the 60s, you know, um, and so it was always my passion and everything was just Judas Priest, you know. Um, so I was very loyal in that respect. And I was pretty um, tolerant, really, with Rob and Glenn, because Glenn did a couple of solo albums with other, other yeah. artists. But, um, you know, I was thinking that if I can create good material, then it should go to Judas yeah, Priest. Fair enough, yeah. So... You know, and um, and that was always my philosophy, really, Vic. You know, if the material was a bit substandard, why would you do it? Why would and you if put it out? Good, 
Uh, and if it's good, why not pull it to the main act, which is Judas Priest? Makes sense. Yeah. No. Yeah. But but coming back to this album, um, what was the blueprint or what was the concept behind the album? Was it, uh, in a sense, were you writing for yourself? Were you writing for the fans? W- what was behind it? I think I just sat down and did what I always do, really, as a writer. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was pleasantly surprised that I could do everything anyway. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't need Rob to do the lyrics or the melody lines, you know. I didn't need another guitar player to work with. You know, I was just quite happy to do the whole thing, and it, and it wasn't difficult to do. Mm-hmm. In fact, it was really, really easy. <laughs> and in, in fact, I've got material, you know, stockpile now. I've been working, actually, it was like February, early March, I think, when I started to put stuff down for another record, and I haven't been able to get back to it yet, mm-hmm. but it is lying there, and I'm ready to pounce on it and, and put it together. Amazing. So, yeah. So so what is your process when you write, uh, KK? Is it, um, do the riffs come first? The, do the words come first? What is the process? Um, a combination of, really. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got a stockpile of, you know, I think most musicians, you've got to stop all the stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, it can be good, bad, or ugly, but sometimes you revisit stuff and it sounds better than it did last time you hear it, you know, and some stuff sounds worse. Um, so it's just a combination of, you know, I can, one day I can just pull up some ideas or just, I can just pick up the guitar and put something new down, mm-hmm. you know, but um, it's just, basically like like probably you go to the fridge one day to make something to eat and you just pull that out because everything <laughs> needs using everything yeah. needs using and you yeah. put it together sometimes it, it comes out fantastic other times it comes out not very good <laughs> um, so it's just like that here's an idea you know um, I like to think I like to think of a good strong delivery for a message for the song mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. works that works really, really good, you know. Um, and then a lot of it depends as well what mood you're in, you know. Yeah, you can yeah. be writing in kind of stuff that's a bit kind of melancholy, you know, or a bit demure. And uh, another time you feel high energy, you yeah. know. So there's no set rules. True, no set true. Rules. The, main, the main thing is to just have plenty of ideas. Yeah. So does the album encompass all that? Uh you know, it's not that all the songs are of a certain yeah. vein, right? So, so I guess sometimes, for example, if you have a good, strong delivery, a good idea, like like songs like Sermons of the Sinner, and then you have a storyline, because I do like to have a storyline. Yeah. Every every song, like if somebody asks me, here's a song, can you explain what it's about? Mm-hmm. Then, yes, I will explain what it's about, you know. And um, and and that, so that is really good. I, I like to be able to do that, you know, and that mm-hmm. helps me to put, you know, put the song together yeah. and, and complete the journey of the song. Um, and then all the musical parts, um, like on this album, there's some quite intricate musical soloing parts, you know. That that is just because once you've got the the the, the intro. The verse, the sub-chorus, if there is one, and the chorus. You know, then you've got the backbone and the mainstay of the song. The rest is just the fun part, doing all the yeah. instrumentation. Yeah, 
Yeah. What was uh, Tim's contribution to writing? Uh, did Tim contribute to writing parts well, of the album? Yeah, so the guys, were, the guys were over there, you know. I was kind of on my own, you know, because obviously um, Tim uh, is it, was over there in the States mm-hmm. and he was busy doing shows and stuff that he got booked in, you know. So I just wanted to get on with it, you know. Um, but Tim flew over and obviously he had some great amendments and embellishments, you yeah. know, for the song. So we were able to, but it was a good indication of, of what we can do with the next record when we can collaborate and get together. So mm-hmm. um, it's going to be very exciting to put, you know, new stuff together. Yeah. But, you know, how much of this album was also you wanting to recreate yourself as an artist? Is that, is that, is that possible to do? I think what I wanted to do, because I needed to do it, was put an album together. Mm-hmm. And so I just sat down and would go about it. This, if I'd have been asked to, to do an album for Judas Priest or this band, I, I'd just work, you know, uh, in the same way that I always work. I can't really change it, you know, because yeah, I, yeah. I have a style. I definitely have a style of writing, that's for sure, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, and like I say, it can be yeah. everything from very meaningful stuff and dark and and in depth stuff to stuff that's just like let's rock out. Yeah, and yeah. everything everything in between. Correct. Yeah. So if you have brothers of the road and raise your fists, that that yeah. would be more akin to another thing coming and living after midnight. And then if you have stuff like Return the Sentinel or you know um, you know. Um, and um, and Sons of the Sinner and Hell for the Priest, that would be more along the lines of, you know, Ram It Down or Painkiller or Painkiller or Victim of Changes or Blood Red Skies, you know. So you've got all of those elements mm-hmm. of accept- acceptance, really, that we've come to know with our beloved, you know, classic and true metal you Absolutely. know, uh, that those songs belong in there, you know, yeah. acceptability. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of interesting times, you know. Um, and But yeah, I'm really, really happy and content with the album. I really do think I'm very fulfilled with the whole thing. Beautiful. You know, the other thing that stood out for me watching the videos was that the band, there seems to be an energy and a cohesiveness about the band. Absolutely there. And I've said this before, to be honest, Mm -hmm. for some reason, um, the whole thing is, is, does have an energy. You know, even the even the quiet, subdued parts seem to yeah. have an energy. I can't explain it. And there's a colourfulness about it, you know, which creates energy. You know, if what like when I watch the videos and stuff, I'm thinking there's a freshness about it Absolutely. as well. You know, um, which there should be, really. You know, um, but at the same time, I can still draw comparisons because of the style, the way I sound, the way I write, the way I play solos, the way I play rhythm, everything about it is kind of still has a, um, a connection with Absolutely. my legacy and my past also. 
Yeah, yeah. But it's kind of, you know, um, it's kind of. Uh, and, but I've I've said in interviews that, you know, I don't want to leave my legacy behind, my sound I, and style and everything. It has to come with me into the future. Yeah, and I think that's what it does so beautifully. The uh, the attitude, the image, and everything about it. There's a freshness to it. Which I feel, you know, as somebody, I mean, I've followed your work for the last from 1984. And, you know, and in today's landscape, I feel that's missing, which you guys have, you know, managed to bring back brilliantly. Yeah, well, the whole message of the album and everything is, is um, there is a very strong mes- message in Sermons of the Sinner. Mm-hmm. In the song particularly, really, that the fact is, you know, um, that we're still here, I mean, because we've created, and I've been on the journey from the very beginning because this genre of music wasn't there. When I entered the fold back in the 60s, um, if anything, we entered in the progressive blues, you know, um, which then turned into rock and then hard rock and heavy rock, you know, but in the 60s, uh, a lot of bands like Cream, Fleetwood Mac, you know, a lot of these bands were essentially progressive blues bands that entered, entered, you know, the entry level for them was listening to the black, great black blues artists, you know, and embellishing and doing their own take, you know. I mean, Fleetwood Mac, for example, they were past masters and so were the Cream. But like Peter Green, when he wrote songs like Albatross and... Um, and indeed, songs like Oh Well and songs like uh, Green Man Alicia, you know, and much, much more. These were very, very clever, progressive blue songs, you know, yeah. and accepted as such, you know. Um, but I was on the road of, of the, I didn't know it was heavy metal then, but, you know, I was listening to artists, some artists that I could hear little bits of, what I didn't know at the time were actual heavy metal in artists like the Kinks and the Trogs, but mm-hmm. obviously first and foremost, the great Jimi Hendrix Absolutely. and songs like Foxy Lady and Purple Haze. I'm thinking this is giving me more and more of this. I don't want blues. I don't want progressive blues. I want more of this. And that was the road I traveled, you know, and it took a long time down that journey, you know, um, and because we were called progressive blues, we were called rock. We yeah. were called a, a hard rock band. We were called a heavy rock band, and then we were called a heavy metal band. Mm-hmm. And um, and it all came together sometime in the late seventies. And obviously, Judas Priest became the you know the archetypal heavy metal band with the leather and the studs and the sound and the music. And um, and and it's been fantastic to have been a part of that whole journey. Yeah, yeah. You know, unfortunately, we never saw you in India, here in India. And the couple of times that I've seen Judas Priest in Asia and then in Germany, I shot Judas Priest in, uh, I think it was Germany. And, uh, you know, I've always felt, I I wish KK Downing was part of this. And, you know, it was Judas Priest as I'd grown up with it. Uh, But now listening to what you guys put out, I can't wait to watch you live. I mean, uh, you know, I'm sure you're itching to go out on the road as well. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, we definitely will. You know, we'll be looking to create everything that you see in the videos and stuff, you know, and uh, the performance will be the same, you know. Um, like you say, you mentioned India. You know, we almost got to come to India one time but didn't make it. But, yeah, you know, we know there's loads and tons of metal fans over there. And we know that you have some some metal bands as well. I can't remember exactly the name of the one band I'm thinking, but they they do uh, frequent KKs um, of Steel Mill, you know, the website, Run Out mm-hmm. of Finland. Mm-hmm. And, um, and yeah, so, yeah, we're dealing, absolutely dearly love to come to India. Please yeah. bring us to India. Promoters, bring us. Absolutely. I, I mean, you guys uh, worshipped in India and, you know, pre-COVID we had a, we had a big rock metal scene, uh, you know, and obviously the industry is growing and bands are going to different parts of the world and stuff. So, yeah, I have no doubt you'll be, uh, you'll be very well received in India. Let's take a break and introduce you to our sponsor. Tales from the Road is brought to you in association with Baba Prasad and DigiSound Studio Chennai. Baba is a WAVE certified sound engineer and he also runs the DigiSound Academy, the only institute in India for WAVE certification. DigiSound Studio has also been recognized by NPR Radio New York for outstanding production quality. Absolutely. It's just the COVID thing still oppressing yeah. so much in so many places. We just need to get rid of that and get that out of the way. And there's no doubt in my mind. Yeah. That, um, in fact, our record label, Explorer One, they actually journeyed over to India at the same time as I signed with the company. Uh-huh. And they were making great tracks. And they said, you're going to go to India. And then all <laughs> the COVID thing happened, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, but we have got great connections, you know, with India. So uh, we'd dearly love to come and play for you guys. Oh, that'll be great. But tell me, KK, as far as putting the band together, right, you must have, I mean, it's not hard for you to put a band together, right? Um, How did you decide who to go with and not just sit and kind of, you know, what they call, uh, you know, paralysis by analysis, where you sit and try to figure out who I should go with? Well, well, like I say, I I had been in Judas Priest from the very beginning. I was there, you know, and created all of that. And then when things happened, I mean, because in 2010, we were all going to stop. We were going to do a, a final tour. Yeah. And we were all going to retire, you know. And Rogers wasn't sure about doing that final tour. I wasn't sure I was going to enjoy it because things weren't right at that time. So I opted out of that farewell tour. But then they decided to carry on. I thought, well, they're going to call me at some point to be back in the band. But that didn't happen. So as much as you know, I was wanting that to happen. Uh, it was confirmed to me that they're not going to have me back. So I carried on. I thought, well, I'll, I'll call my old mates, you know, uh, Ripper. We'd done albums and tours together. Mm-hmm. Les Lynch, we'd done albums and tours together. So I'm thinking I'm going to call my mates and just go out there and play some gigs for the fans, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I kind of took that route. Unfortunately, Les wasn't able to make the journey with us. Mm-hmm. But he's got a special guest with us. Oh, lovely. You know? Okay. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And we're going to play, we play songs from the albums we did with him. Mm-hmm. So that was the idea for just to get back with some familiar familiar friends and faces and, and take that route. Mm-hmm. You know? what, what, about, uh, 
what about dave is still uh, is uh, i know dave elfson's a friend of yours and uh, is dave still um, uh, you know again oh. well documented whatever dave's going through but uh, you know is yeah. uh, dave still a part um, of it well you see dave when when we played together and we put together and people called it the mega priest performance which we did <laughs> you know and i love that but it was megadeth and judas priest it was like a hybrid so that didn't really work for me you know and plus dave was still in megadeth and i didn't want to interfere with that and they were going out on the road with five finger death punch then they were going to do their own tour mm-hmm. with lamb of god supporting so obviously i recruit recruited you know another great bass player um tony newton and i'm really happy with tony you know um but like i say if I was looking for a bass player now, I wouldn't hesitate to ask Dave to do yeah, it. I don't yeah. care. Whatever shit it happens with him behind closed doors, it, everybody else does it. And if you turn the clock back 10 or 20 years, it would just be called rock and roll, right? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, I, none of that doesn't bother me at all, you know. But but we've been um, obviously together now for a, over a year and a half, you know, and Tony's great. He's great in the studio. He's got lots of attributes, and mm-hmm. uh, and he's a you know a bass giant. So um, so we're good to go. You know, mm-hmm. I hope things work, really do work out well for Dave because yeah. he's loved he's loved all over the planet. He's a gentleman and a great bass player, and um, and I wish him well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the other thing I wanted to ask you was the choice of name of the band. Um, did you ever think that there might be legal repercussions if you called yourself KK's Priest, or was that never a thing? Well, well, yeah, they did. <clears throat> the guys in Judas Priest, they set their lawyers straight on to me, trying to stop me um, forming a band, you know. Um, but... We just ignored it because that was never legally. They can never legally make that stick. That was, and it's a shame that they would try to do that to me because, you know, um, it is what it is. You know, I've been a priest all of my life, and I just couldn't let it go. I just there's no reason why I should. You know, mm-hmm. um, if they if they refuse me to go back in. The, the band i have to look at other guys that i've never met playing my songs you know calling themselves a priest <laughs> if they can be a priest why can't i be a priest it's only Absolutely. fair yeah yeah you know it's only fair um and um and we'll see how it goes you know like i say you know i couldn't just cut everything off that i am all of my life, you know, I've been a priest. I was there at the very beginning. And and for me, you know, the guys are very successful and that's great, but it's not the same as as it yeah, was. Absolutely. When myself and Glenn were in the band, you know. Um, you know, um to me in 2010, I saw Rob go on tour with with the Halford Band playing Judas Priest songs, and this is, seems to be the same thing to me now. Absolutely, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, so 
because when Rob left the band, he took Scott with him, and we were in in a mess. To be fair, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know. So, but it is what it is. It's all about the music, the performance, absolutely, and um, and um, you know, I'm KK Downing, and I am a true priest. I've been there since 1968, and I'm still here now. Yeah, and uh, I've I've got lots of music and songs for people to. To, to hear, so um, I just continue um, with everything that I do, and I'm excited, very excited about it. Yeah, I can imagine. But tell me, uh, KK, how different is it if you had to look back uh, when um, you, you know getting a record deal when Judas Priest put out their first album versus getting a record deal now with you know KK's Priest? How different is that? Well, it was very, very difficult. It was impossible for us to get a record deal to begin mm-hmm. with because we were playing such alternative music. Yeah. And the reason it was alternative because it hadn't really got a name <laughs> back then, you know. <laughs> and um, and so it was hard to get signed. But obviously, when I put this music together, it was it was really quite easy to to get uh, a record label. You know, because mm-hmm. it, it sounds great. You know, I love it. I like it a lot. Yeah. Do you do you think it's easier being a musician today? Because there's so much negative stuff that's said. You know, I hear a lot of people. Everybody says it's hard to make a living as a musician in today's in this day and age, right? With streaming and all of that stuff. Um, what what do you think? It was always hard, though, Vic. I mean, like I say, <clears throat> you know, I didn't have. I had my very first old car that cost 50 pounds when I was 27 years old. When I was 27, I think I was recording Sin After Sin. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I still didn't have any money. <laughs> and we yeah. were on our third album. Yeah. Um, it was tough back then. And it is tough now, especially for young artists. But the thing is, they're not properly managed and looked after and guided. Yeah, absolutely. There's not enough people around to to mentor younger bands. Now, mm-hmm. you know, there's not enough people. Is, th- is that something that you do? That, yeah. you know... Yeah, you kind of help them uh, like you did back in the day, what you used to call paying your dues, right? Playing the clubs and the bars and all of that. Yeah. And I'm guessing that has stood you in good stead today. And that is that something you kind of help younger musicians with? Yeah, because to be honest, I mean, we never made any money till we learned something about the business. Mm-hmm. You know, so that still applies, I think, for, for, for young musicians now. They still need to to learn something about the business to help yeah. them, really. Mm-hmm. You know, so you have to do that. It's either that or have somebody that, that is trustworthy to guide them through the steps and take mm-hmm. them forward, you know. Mm-hmm. But it can still be done, you know. But lots of bands now, Vic, and it's been the case since the 90s, really, they all seem to think that they've got to they've got to invent something brand new. Yeah, you know, and that's not the case. 
I really don't think that that's true. Um, I would say that to the to younger bands now, maybe the way to the future is to you know is maybe look to the past. Absolutely. To the way to the future, you don't have to invent your own style of music. You know, um, you don't have to be a hundred percent unique. Correct. You know, you can take elements of the past because there's lots of great music in the past that people love. You know. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, and like I often say, it would be great if there was a young Deep Purple or a young Black Sabbath or a young Judas Priest or a young, well, we already have a young Led Zeppelin in Greta Van Fleet, which yeah. that kind of proves my case. You don't have to look like the band or particularly sound like them. You can, but the, you can, the stylization from that band can be utilized. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. it's a nice thing for older fans to have that there's bands that will be kind of not a tribute, you know, but pay homage in such a way, but yeah. enjoy doing it, but still create, you know, um, so that they still look different, which they will because they're different people, they will still perform, part of their performance will be similar but different, and a kind, some of the music will be similar but different, but the identification is undoubtedly, yeah. you know, have a Led Zeppelin kind of-esque kind of vibe about it. Yeah, but that's yeah. good, that, that's fresh, and it can be good. Absolutely. I think that's solid advice. But are there any bands uh, of today that you follow? Anything that you like and listen to? Well, um, I think I kind of am still in the, the classic and true metal. I'm always waiting for a new Scorpions album or a new, F, new UFO <laughs> or, you know yeah. what I mean? Uh, of stuff like that, you know, or a new Saxon or a new Udo or a new Accept or something, yeah. you know. Um, because like I say, in the 90s, too many bands went too metal, you know, well, lots of good stuff came from it, but there was like obviously so many different brands of, of metal. I couldn't keep up with it, you know. Yeah. Um, so, but I'm always out there listening for a new band that's going to come along and, and maybe I would be the person to mentor a band that had, that, you know, really, um, you know, really were big fans of a band from the past, but they can do it their way and write new material um, and have a new look and a freshness, but still take the, the attributes of like classic metal and, and make it, really quite new with the freshness, which a lot of that I think is inherent with KK's Priest because we do have some young blood in the band. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, what, what, what has that been like for you to play guitar with AJ? Well, it, it's great, you know. Um, like I said, I've known AJ since he was a youngster. Well, this is kind of typical because he, his first concert was watching... Judas Priest with Ripper in Birmingham in England 
you know, his dad took him to see the band mm-hmm. and he said there and then that he obviously saw me and wanted to be, you know, me. Same when I saw Jimi Hendrix, I wanted to be Jimi <laughs> Hendrix. <laughs> you know, and I couldn't be, but I can be a version. You know, I can still have every elements, yeah. you know, that are not that obvious, but my passion came from somewhere. You know, the fuse was lit somewhere along the way. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was 1967 when I first saw Jimi Hendrix uh, play a concert, and it kind of changed my life. Amazing, amazing. Okay, last couple of questions before I let you go. Um, I, I want to talk about the whole, you know, Judas Priest did a tour with Iron Maiden back in the day. What was that like? Yeah. I mean, we've all grown up on Iron Maiden as well, and they're obviously worshipped in India again. And um, What was that like, Judas Priest and Iron Maiden? Yeah, well, um, it was back in 1980, I believe, that Iron Maiden did their first UK tour with, mm-hmm. with us. And they went on just after that, to do their first US tour with us. Um, so that was good. Obviously, there was quite a bit of rivalry back then. I think the Iron Maiden, quite rightfully, were looking to to take our crown, which they, I think they did. <laughs> <laughs> um, obviously, the mighty Maiden. But, you know, they developed and become, uh, obviously, and I'm very proud of Iron Maiden. I'm very proud that they're British. I'm very proud that they existed, you know, because, you know, when you look at metal bands from the UK, obviously we look at Sabbath, Priest, Maiden, obviously with Saxon, you know, and those bands. But there should be a lot more. I'm mm-hmm. surprised there isn't a lot more. There's, mm-hmm. just, there's not much more than a handful, really. Yeah. You know, they kind of fit into that mould. You've got other bands as well, obviously, uh, Def Leppard, from Def Leppard to bands like Venom, you know, the new wave of yeah. British heavy metal. But there's not a whole lot more. But, yeah, it was um, – so we had that vibe going on. We made – they were lucky to take the crown, but, you know, uh, but they went on from strength to strength and made lots of great albums and became a great band. And um, – and now, you know, that we've all kind of grown up and come through it, you know, those guys are very professional and they're very nice people as well, you know. Yeah. I hope they don't mind me saying that they're nice guys, you know, <laughs> that's what I mean. but, but because sometimes people want heavy metal heroes to be, you know. Badass. A badass, you know, I'm going to kick you in the ass, you know. It's like, you know, but, you know, we're good people and professionals, you know, and I've, I've met um, not all of the guys, but since, you know. Mm-hmm. And I knew Nico before he was in Maiden, and I knew he was always a good guy and a great drummer, I might add, you know. Yeah. But we know that. We know that anyway. Yeah. But tell me, uh, KK, is there any chance that uh, you might guest with Priest, or is that door completely shut? Well, that's completely up to them. But... You mean me as an individual with those guys? Yeah, maybe a guest appearance, you and Glenn, nothing. That's just not even a possibility anymore. Well, uh, for myself, my door is always open, but it seems their door is always closed, you know. <laughs> but if we got inducted to the, um, yeah. to the Hall of Fame, maybe it makes sense, you know. But, 
But what can I say? You know, um, I feel very proud of myself and I feel as though, you know, that, um, like I say, the journey that I was on, you know, um, was a big part of uh, the evolution of, of metal as we know it. And I'm very proud of it, mm-hmm. you know. And I'm glad that it happened because it was just a dream when I was a young kid. Yeah. It was just a dream, you know, sitting down there writing those songs like with with Al Atkins, you know. Um, who would have believed that it would have come to this? But, you know... Um, it's all crazy, but we all know that musicians, we all leave, we come back. Sometimes bands explode completely and reform Guns N' Roses, maybe. You know, didn't exist at one point. Now they're going back playing stadiums, which is fantastic yeah. for us all. You know, there's somehow something good about when everybody gets, when bands get back together, isn't it? You know, yeah. but in this case, not to be. So KK's Priest is. We're here and we're coming your way. Fabulous. Thank you so much for your time, uh, KK. I wish you Thank well. You. Um, I really hope we can see you in India someday. It's been an absolute pleasure. And tell all the fans in India, you know, please Absolutely. be patient. A bit longer. Absolutely. And we're going to come and play some shows for you. Thank you, KK. That's it for this week's episode of Tales from the Road. Tales from the Road is brought to you by the Concert Photographer and Moving Pictures Media. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode. If you like what you heard, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify or Google Play. Thank you for listening.